Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Sam Kwok here, one of the Kwok Brothers, and welcome back to another episode of the Landlording Automated Podcast. And today, I'm going to share my problem that I had when I was a just a beginner uh, real estate investor and a landlord. So I'm going to share my little bit of dilemma and what I should have done to solve it and fix it. And I'm hoping that this story that I went through will help you guys not face it. Don't go through the same mistakes that I went through. It was very costly. So let's go and cue up the theme song and come back and let's go talk about and share my problems. So you bought rental properties so they can create more time and financial freedom. But the problem is you're spending a lot of time managing the properties. How do we automate our properties so that it's creating more time instead of costing it? How do we as landlords protect our investments, our time and our progress so that we can scale our portfolio? That's the question we're going to answer in this podcast. My name is Sam Kwok and this is the Landlording Automated Podcast. All right, welcome back. So about four years ago now, 2016, 2017 is when I first bought my rental property. And then I got super excited, went out and raised more money. And as you guys know, we're a big fan of owner financing. So it was around 2017 of May, uh, I was introduced to a deal. It was a three-unit apartment building. And it was being sold by an older gentleman. Uh, actually, was also another fellow Korean gentleman. Uh, he was an older gentleman, 72 years old, and just wanted to sell the property. And, of course, I negotiated the owner financing with him. He liked the idea that he doesn't have to manage, and he's just collecting cash flow every single month. Um, so this, this started with a realtor introducing me to this particular seller. We started talking about owner financing, started running the numbers. And at the time, I mean, the deal looked really great, right? We started out with 4% interest rate, 15-year amortization, um, all, all kinds of good, good things when it came to the terms. Um, around the same time, uh, one of my old high school friends reached out, reached out to me and said, hey, Sam, I noticed that you are in real estate now. Um, a friend of mine, and you know, we were looking for a new housing. And I knew I knew her for a while. Uh, she was, you know, a good friend. And um, I asked her, "Hey, so okay, so where where are you guys living right now? What's, what's your situation right now?" And it turns out they were living in a neighborhood where, um, not gonna name the name uh, of the neighborhood, but it was in a very bad neighborhood. It was, you know, you turn on the news, and if you see any shootings in the Chicago area, well, this is where all the shootings are happening. And they 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 were living in that area, so. Being compassionate, uh, I was like, uh, you know, obviously I'm like, okay, clearly you guys don't, sh- you know, should not be living in that neighborhood, right? Not a good neighborhood, um, dangerous, first of all, uh, and, you know, they were friends. So uh, I sat down with them, listen, I- I'm about to buy a property and, uh, you know, one of the units of the three unit I just found out is vacant. So if you guys want to move in, um, and this is in a better neighborhood than uh, the the previous neighborhood. I told him, hey, listen, I'm I'm about to buy it. You know, we'll see if it closes. If it closes, I'll let you guys live in one of the units. Um, and I and I already sort of knew their credit history and and, and their background. So you know, I, I knew if I checked it, it it probably would be predictable, right? I I would know that their credit is shot. They went through all sorts of different situation. And when I asked him about it, hey, you know, what happened to your credit? Um, obviously he told me, Hey, you know, like I had, I lend my money out to, it was a really weird situation. I don't know the full details, but, um, it just became a situation where unfortunately their credit was shot, um, through multiple mismanagement, uh, and misuse. So I, you know, I've come, I think it was middle May or end of May. We ended up closing the property, but, um, 
and I'll be vulnerable with you guys, right? I'll share everything that I went through that I shouldn't have, and I'll give you some some details as to some of my shortcomings. But what ended up happening was that, you know, in the middle of negotiation on this three-unit property, um, you know, the, the terms were 15-year amortization, 10% down. Uh, you know, purchase price was $195,000. So the, the down payment would have been like you know, $19,000-ish, right? And the interest rate was around 4%. And then right before closing or, you know, we were about to close, uh, the seller apparently had a partner. And the partner was like, no, I, I can't do 10%, 10% down. You know, I don't like the interest rate. We got to do 5%. Uh, you know, even 5% is low. We got to go like 5.125%, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I want the deal done. Like, you know, this, is a, this looks like a great deal. I want my next three units, right? I, want, I just want to close the deal. Uh, I, I want to be able to buy this deal, right? Because I, I just want to keep on adding to my unit count. I, I just want to be uh, able to create income. Um, so one of the things that I think was a big shortcoming for me, or you know, to be quite frank with you guys, is you know this whole idea that there's a culture in the Korean culture where uh, you you have to kind of be respectful to the elder elderly, right? You don't want to be disrespectful. You kind of have to yield to what the elderly is asking you to do, and unfortunately. You guessed it. That's what I did, right? <laughs> I, I caved in, and um, instead of holding ground at at ten percent down at four percent interest, I ended up giving them like twenty five thousand dollars, which was around like the I think twelve twelve percent, thirteen percent, and then I caved in and I gave them five point one two five percent instead of four. Which, by the way, looking back, I'm like that that was crazy. Like I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have stayed in my ground and and I should have not done the deal, right? I should have said nope, not doing it, but. I think part of it was like I wanted to help my help out my friends, and um, that kind of became a pressure. And at the same time, my ego was in the way where I wanted to just close the next deal, uh, be seen as a successful person, and I just wanted to be seen, uh, or like you know, I was just very ambitious, right? I, I was getting too aggressive when it comes to my deal making. So, uh, as you can imagine, we closed, gave them twenty five grand for the down payment, five point one two five percent, and I think the. Payment ended up being around fourteen hundred bucks, I believe. I I, I don't want to disclose anymore because I think that would uh, <laughs> that would violate some of the non-disclosure. But as you can imagine, close the deal. Uh, it was end of May, and then uh, the two friends that I'm talking about they moved in June, and then a few few days later, uh, the, the 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 two friends move in. I have them sign a lease. That's good, right? I, you got to have people sign a lease no matter what. And then you know they they went through an inspection and inspected the the unit to make sure it was livable, and they agreed to do so. Uh, gave me the the security deposit, paid me my first month of rent. They moved in, all good, right? But didn't have to do credit check, didn't do any background check, right? None of that, right? Just had to move in. And then a few days later, a few a few weeks actually, yeah, a few weeks later, what ended up happening is one of the friends came back and said, "Hey Sam, there's there's some issues." in the property that needs to get fixed, right? And one of the issue was just so happens that the toilet wasn't flushing hard enough. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, so the roof isn't caving in. Okay, that's good. So let's not worry about the toilets yet. We'll, we'll Let's get it done eventually, right? So I, I, in a way, I, I do blame myself a little bit for not really being attentive to the problem. But, you know, obviously they were saying, hey, you know, the, the toilet wasn't flushing hard enough. There's some issues. A few weeks later, it goes by. Now they're saying, well, there's now roaches in, in the building. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, let, let's let's take care of it, right? And then a few days later go by, one of the friends, and I'm not going to, you know, share any names for privacy sakes, but one of the friends out of the blue sends me an email with what, is, what it seems like a very well-tailored ta- letter, uh, letter 
an email with all the uh, with all the references to uh, the Chicago uh, code, building code. And I'm like, okay, the, these these guys, you know, these gals are not that sophisticated enough to, to be able to go and, and look up the building code and, and, you know, prepare anything like this. If if they did, they probably went and talked to an attorney, right? Or talked to some sort of a, a real estate professional that knew what they were doing. So I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? And obviously, I call my, call my uh, attorney. I remember, like, it was 2 a.m. in the morning, man. I, it is... It was nuts. I was up late at night trying to figure this out, right? 2 a.m. So what, what they're demanding was, and keep in mind, guys, they were quote-unquote friends. Um, they were, what they were demanding was uh, to return secured deposit and also return uh, a whole month of rent. So basically, what, whatever they pay so far, they wanted it back. And keep in mind, they were there for, for, and they lived there for, for, for the whole entire month. Um, and I'm like, no way, Jose. I'm, I am not going to give back the full month's rent. I'm considering giving you back the secure deposit, right? But they're breaking a lease, right? They they signed a year's lease, and clearly that's that, right? But they're saying that I have, you know, I haven't solved the problems and I haven't deal, dealt with the issue. Now, you know, the term slumlord is being thrown out on the table, and you know, they're saying, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to take you to the court, we're going to sue you, blah 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 blah. So in this case, I had I had two options, right? I was somewhat educated enough to understand that if this does go to court, I would have to pay ton of legal fees, right? I have to pay for the attorney uh, to show up in the in the court. I had to pay for filing fees. There's going to be fees no matter what. I'm going to have to pay out of pocket no matter what. So in that case, you know what? I don't want to drag this on. On I want to reach an amicable agreement, right? I want to reach a, a some somewhat of a sensible agreement where I just I just want to get them out and let's let's get it get it over with. And at the same time, um, what ended up happening was I realized that I got into a bad deal because the interest rate wasn't working with the cash flow analysis that I've, I thought about, and it wasn't working with, obviously, the, my, my cash on cash return was was not very good when compared to the original analysis that I made. So what ended up happening was these with these two friends, um, you know, I told them, listen, I'll give you your security deposit back. I'll let you live another month for free. You just walk away. That's it. That I was being very, very amicable at that point, right? I, I wasn't gonna sue them. I wasn't gonna evict them, right? I wasn't gonna, uh, you know, send them a five-day notice, which I actually did file a five-day, send them a five-day notice, uh, a pay-a-quit notice. So I think that's what may have kind of spooked them a little bit. But uh, uh, I told them, hey, listen, um, any any past amounts, I'll let you don't have to pay. I'll I'll give you your. Actually, no, I, I didn't give them their security deposit back. I actually ended up keeping it, but in exchange, they got to live there for uh, for another month for free, and they ended up finding another place. So that's that, right? We signed in a new agreement. I said I won't file an eviction as long as they leave. Uh, they don't owe any more money. They get to live another month for free, right? That's what happened. So that that, that goes, and I think what happened was. Because I realized that this was a bad deal that I got into, um, that my emotions got in the way, I decided to sell it. And I did end up listing it with the realtor, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris, uh, ended up selling it. And, uh, or I, I, I should say, I, I least at that point listed it on, on the MLS. And a few days go by, it was only a matter of a few days that we, we had a buyer, which was incredible. The buyer wanted to buy it, you know, they knew what they were buying. So we put it on the contract, it was all good, financing was good. And then what happened was, in the middle of all this, the buyer's attorney contacts my attorney, and then my attorney contacts me and says, you know, Sam, did you, do you know that there's some code violations on this, on this property? And I'm like, 
no, like there there shouldn't be because it, it's it. When I bought it, you know, it was it was clear, right? I made sure that, you know, we we checked to see that there weren't any code violations, there weren't any issues with the property, or so I thought, right? And I and another lesson here is I should have had a an inspector, uh, walk through the property with me, and I didn't do that. So I'm like, what's going on with this, right? So they sent me a copy of of the three code violations that uh, were on the property, all having to do with the second floor. And guess who used to live in the second floor? You bet. The two friends that I let in without any credit check or background check, apparently what they've done, and I think this is, again, not confirmed, but what they've done is I believe they've called the city of Chicago and filed a complaint against me. And, you know, they had a co- uh, inspector come out and inspected it, and they put a code violation on my building. And I could not sell the property until the code violation was taken care of, which uh, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I, I just need to get rid of this. I, I, I'm done dealing with the, the drama, done dealing with, with this mess. I made a huge mistake. So I'm going to go deal with it. And I call a contractor that could take care of all the code violation. And guess what? Ended up having to pay three grand out of my pocket to take care of the code violation. Again, it could have been easily fixable if had I just hired an inspector for a few hundred bucks and got it inspected, right? So ended up forking over three grand uh, and I had the inspector come back, the, the city of Chicago inspector come back to reinspect so that I can get code violation cleared up and we can sell the property. Well, turns out the code violation ca- uh, code uh, inspector comes in, clears me of all the code, but um, the inspector said, you know, I cannot clear this until I actually see the inside of the property. And he goes on to say, if I go see something, if I find anything inside, well, guess what? That's going to be a new code violation. And at that point, I'm like, do I let him in? Do I not? And I had a choice. If I didn't let him in, he could not clear the code violation. If I let him in, and if there's anything else, that could be an issue, right? There, there, that could obviously create more code violations. So you know what? You know what could there be? You know what? What possible code violation could there be, right? I mean, other than minor things. So I let him in. He comes in, checks through uh, everything, and this is all about second floor, just six, just second floor, because the second floor was the the subject matter when it comes to the code violation. You know, he says, "Oh, you just need to move the the smoke detector from the wall to the ceiling, and that's that's been pretty much it, right?" And there, to, of course, to my own confirmation, there are no roaches, there are no pests. Okay, uh, and he gets to the porch side of things. He he goes to the back of the building. If you know anything about buildings in Chicago, almost every building has got a porch, and this is what this was a three unit, so it's three stories tall. So this porch was also three stories tall. The inspector goes back into the porch, and he was rather interested in the porch. He was very interested in taking a look. He was taking out his measuring tape, right? He was very, you know, he was looking at the porch very, very carefully. And he turns around and says, you know what, Sam? You need to replace the whole porch. And I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. Come again? Like, you mean I have to tear this whole thing down, three stories high porch, and rebuild it? And he's like, yeah, that's what it appears to be. And he was trying to work with me. I can tell he was a nice guy. And he said... Uh, I'll go back and talk to my boss about maybe just adding brackets and maybe adding some reinforcements here and there, and 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 we might be able to get you cleared. And I'm like, yes, please do that. Like that'd be awesome because that'd only cost me a couple hundred bucks versus I don't know who knows, right? So unfortunately, he comes back and says, yeah, sorry, man. My boss says you have to rebuild the entire porch. You have to tear down the whole thing, rebuild it. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, how, what is this going to cost me? So I call my contractor again and says, hey, can you give me a bid on what it would be to replace the whole porch? And a few days later, he's like, yep, 12 grand, 12 grand to replace the whole entire porch. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because also I found out that the, the inspector added a new code violation that relates to the porch and I couldn't sell it until that was taken care of. So long story short, what ended up happening was I told Chris, like, hey, Chris, there's, you know, my realtor at the point at that time, listing agent, I told him, like, there, I don't know how to do this other than selling it as is, right? Knowing that the seller, the buyer will take the property with the, uh, the violation on the porch. And at the time, I had a mentor. and My mentor said, you know, here's a better idea. Why don't you sell it to Chris? Because Chris wants to get into real estate. Because, you know, my mentor at the time knew Chris. So I'm like, yeah, but like he knows about the porch violation. And do you really think that he's going to do it? And Chris was like, you know what? If you let me buy it, no money down, and you allow me to, you allow me to assume the current owner financing, and in an event I, that I refinance or sell, I'll give you your equity back. So what that meant is the twenty-five thousand uh, dollars down payment that I that I made, I would get that money back uh, if Chris chooses to sell or refinance, right? So that's what we did. Um, I pretty much turned the property over to Chris, uh, the seller, the original seller, threw a fit about that. And I said, you know, I, I need to move on. Like this, this is not my deal. Uh, I, I don't know if I could ever keep this property. And uh, fortunately enough for me, he was cool with reassigning the owner financing agreement over to Chris. And Chris ended up being the new buyer. Uh, so Chris bought it no money down, but I, had, I still had vested interest of $25,000 in the property. Shall there be a refinance or a sale of the property? So um, just recently, about a couple months ago, the property was sold. I got my $25,000 back uh, along with the lessons. So here's what I learned. Thank you for making it to the end. But here's what I learned. First of all, never ever rent to your to your own family member or your friends ever. Um, it would destroy your relationship. I've I've rarely seen this work out with any landlords. You are your own business. This is the same thing. If you own a restaurant, you don't let your friends and family eat for free. It's just like maybe sometimes, but but when it comes to rental property, you know when they're obligated to pay a rent for you, you know to you for a year, and there could be obviously issues that come up. It can get very personal pretty quickly. So I strongly, strongly discourage any landlord from renting to their own family or family uh, or friends. Okay. Number two, always, always, always do background and credit checks. So if you choose to ignore advice number one and you still rent it to your friend or family, run their credit, run their background check and treat them just like any other applicants. Okay. All right. It, it, it's, it's almost like having a smoke detector in, a, in an airplane laboratory. Have you guys seen that before? Like you go into a, uh, an airplane bathroom, there's a smoke detector, but they tell you not to, get, not to smoke. Well, it's the same thing. If you choose to smoke, well, don't, don't mess with the smoke detector, right? Uh, so that's another rule. Number three, if, if it's not a deal, don't do the deal, right? Don't, don't emotionally get so invested into the, the darn deal that you, know, you get pretty much screwed over and still do the deal thinking you won. Okay, no bueno. Um, stand firm. If the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work. Walk away. Okay, this is a business. This is an investment. This is not a charity work to help sellers or even your friends or t- friends or family to become a tenant. You got to stand firm. Firm. Um, so, 
those are some of the lessons I've learned. Uh, another thing is if you if you're buying a property, especially if it's a very old property, and this is this is true if you're buying anything in the urban area like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, some parts of like Austin and Houston, some of these older cities tend to have older buildings, which means if you're dealing with dealing with an older building, there's a strong probability that there's going to be one or two things that are majorly wrong with the property. So always bring an inspector with you or a general contractor and comb through the whole thing. I'm talking about the roof, uh, masonry, uh, you know, th- is there a roof issue, foundation issue, uh, water heater, HVAC, plumbing is a big one. You don't want to mess with plumbing. Uh, electrical, right? Run through all the scenarios of what could possibly go wrong with an inspector. Bring a checklist with you to make sure that y- you know it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg after you bought the property to take care of it. Check for code violations right? Big, big, big thing. And of course, have a very strong lease. And I, I've, that's another mistake that I, I didn't mention. I, I downloaded a free template from the internet and ended up using that lease. So don't use that lease, guys. Um, always get a lease from an attorney that's going to protect you and, and make sure um, you know it, it sets all the expectation. But guess what? Here's the, here's the punchline. I'm going to give you the punchline right here. Okay, this is going to be great. I, I found that. So the reason why uh, my friends, quote unquote friends, uh, came back with all these code violations and, and um, they, they knew how to do that. They learned how to do that because, well, get this. Uh, one of the friends, and I, I hate to put it this way, uh, was sleeping around for money. And one of the person that they were, one of the people that were sleeping around just so happened to be the number three realtor in Chicago at the time. And guess what? Guess where they're getting the advice from? This number three attorney, who's obviously paying one of the quote unquote friends to basically sleep with them. So there we go. I'm gonna use the P word. They were prostitutes. Boom. There we go. <laughs> it's out there in the podcast. I try to keep my podcast PG, but unfortunately, that's the truth. Um, but there it is. Um, <sighs> So my, I guess I was running out to quote-unquote friends that happen to be prostitutes. There we go. Um, so lesson learned. Um, be careful, right? Just make sure you're using common sense. I think that's, that's pretty much the bottom line. But um, have, a, have a strong lease, good background check, credit check, never rent out to your friends or family. Uh-uh. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, have an inspector before you go and buy any property, especially the ones that have older um, that were built for you know built you know, a really long time without any remodeling or reconstruction along the way. So, uh, giving my giving you my worst worst problem that I had to deal with in in my my history of being a landlord. Hopefully, I won't have any more worst horror stories. I've learned right that was a great starting point for me to be educated and learn. And I think it would have been better if had I spent some money getting some formal training on property management. Now I did. Um, so obviously. You don't want to take the education after you made all sorts of mess, right? You want to take the education before uh, you go and, and start managing properties. So hope this gives you guys not only just entertainment, but gives you guys some, some advice and things not to do and not to follow. Uh, hope you guys avoid the, the problems that I'm dealing with. And that's the goal of this podcast is help you guys automate, avoid problems, avoid issues when it comes to landlords. Uh, another thing is, it, just kind of wrap things up in our podcast, if you are dealing with a landlord issue right now, if you're dealing with a landlord problem, whether you're dealing with a tenant or property issue or all of the above, uh, send me a, an email to info at the I-N-F-O at T-H-E-K-W-A-K. 
B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S.com, info at thequadbrothers.com. What I'm doing is I'm carving out 30 minutes a day to help one landlord and solve their problems over Zoom or a phone call. And what we're going to do is we're going to record that session and we're going to put it on a podcast. And of course, if you want to be protected in terms of privacy issues, we can change your voice, change your name, and also not share obviously your identity, but we want to be able to share, we want to be able to help you solve your landlord problem, whatever that might be. So I invite you to come on to our show uh, with your problems and I'd be more than happy to solve them for you guys. And that's what I want to do. That's why, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. So I hope this story, uh, my vulnerabilities, all my shortcomings can help you strengthen your journey. So love you guys. Appreciate you all. And I'll see you guys in another episode of the Landlording Automated Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Sam Kwok here once again. I hope you enjoyed the episode of the Landlording Automated Podcast. Now, if you can automate all the same old repetitive tasks in your property management, how much time do you think you can save? Well, my team is launching a software called Flowmatics that can do just that. We want you to stop spending your precious time, energy, and stress and simply live your life. And that's what the software can ultimately do. So just head over to automatemyproperties.com and check out how Flowmatics can save you money, time, and energy by automating your properties. Again, that's automatemyproperties.com. Go and check it out and start living your life without the stress and waste of energy.